Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Neo Kobe Pizza, the only gaming podcast that floats in soup. My name is Mark B., and joining me today after a fairly long hiatus is your friend and mine, Mr. Matt Yeager. How are you doing today, sir? I'm, I'm awake. I'm awake? Okay. I would hope so. Yeah. So far, so good. <laughs> it, is, it has been a long time for both of us since we have done one of these. You, because of all of your work-related craziness, and me, because of my personal craziness. But, we're back, and it's gonna be a doozy today, I think. I don't even know where to begin here, but... So, let's talk about the inciting event first, I guess. You had mentioned that we could do something off of this, so let's just get it out of the way up front. Back at, like, the end of February, I guess, YouTuber PewDiePie decided it would be a really great idea, uh, as a joke, to go through a web service called Fiverr that allows you to basically pay people on the internet whatever amount of money to perform some type of a task. And he paid money to a group called Funny Guys, who are Indian comedians on that service, or they at least they were on that service. Uh, where they would essentially do, like, they would dress up in, like, a stupid outfit, dance around for a bit, and then unfurl a sign that said, <clears throat> Death to all Jews. Now, contextually, this is, this is kind of important, because what happened in the aftermath was Fiverr apparently banned the funny guys, uh, leaving them stuck, essentially apologizing, because they didn't understand what the words on the sign meant. And Felix himself lost his contracts with Disney via his MCN Maker Studios and Google uh, via YouTube, which canceled a series he was doing called Scare PewDiePie over this event. That all said, I don't really give a fuck about the event in and of itself, and I don't expect anybody listening really does. Felix said a stupid thing. It was a, a very stupid thing, let's be clear. And he refuses to take any responsibility for it, which is bad on a base level. But... I really don't think he's an anti-Semite. Uh, I don't feel like he's going to learn anything from this, and he doesn't really seem to have a good understanding of what happened or why, since he's basically spending the majority of his time blaming this on the news media for holding him accountable for saying death to all Jews by telling other people that he said death to all Jews. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's... Like, I feel like I'm fucking watching JonTron over here. Jesus. I know. No, well, it, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where I just, it, it seems like a really weird, indefensible point for some people where, like, he was just joking or he was really trying to point out those guys' anti-Semitism. And I'm like, I don't know. It kind of just looks on the outside like he paid some dudes to say death to all Jews. Like, and I'm like, I I don't think he's an anti-Semite either. I just think he's fucking stupid. And, and like, and did something really fucking stupid. And, and apparently doesn't think far enough ahead to understand how stupid that was. Just like whenever Justin Bieber does anything fucking dumb. He's like, eh, not my fault. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like, to be clear, he, he kind of he kind of shows his ignorance in the video itself because he doesn't really completely understand the term anti-Semite or, like, you know, what that might mean to others, which is interesting. 
but again, it's it's I don't particularly care, you know, that he that he did this thing because like I've never had an especially high opinion of Felix's intellect, regardless. <laughs> like this isn't this isn't a case where I'm like, oh no, PewDiePie, you've let me down. How could you? No, I always kind of thought this dude was a fucking idiot. Let's be honest here, and I imagine a lot of other people did too. If we're if we're being completely honest about it, he, he has never inspired unto me that he might be, you know, a Mensa member or anything. Like, the actual event itself is the sort of thing that just seems honestly like something he would do. But I feel like there's actually kind of a conversation that can be had from that event talking about the idea of context as he's sort of trying to work with it. Because here's the thing. PewDiePie has been trying to have this conversation since that point where he's like, well, context matters, to the point where the, the, the funny guys actually made a video saying that they stand with PewDiePie talking about how context matters after the fact, and he's been, like, trying to make the argument that, you know, what he said uh, was taken out of context, and the context is important. Now, I want to be clear, I absolutely 110% do not think that he gets that particular jumping-off point, because I don't know what context we as a society live in where death to all Jews is funny, but like, you know, it's certainly not the world I live in. So, you know, fuck you, Felix, you're still an idiot. But I do, I do definitely feel like we can have a conversation about context from that. Like, I feel like that's an important discussion to have in general, because in general, as gaming evolves more and more, we're going to start, seeing these kinds of conversations happen more frequently. You know, we're, we're going to definitely get into situations where game developers, be they mainstream developers or independent developers, are going to start releasing games where people kind of interpret events differently from what the developer wants or where somebody releases something and it ends up either being offensive immediately or becoming offensive after the fact. Like, I, I feel like that discussion about context as a concept is very important and very useful because that's going to be a thing that's probably going to happen more and more as time goes on. Yeah, and uh, and to be fair, uh, anybody listening, uh, this is not meant to be a thing about PewDiePie because, frankly, that happened over a month ago in YouTube years, that was like 200 years ago. So that's well done. Right. It's basically like, you know, he, he continues to have conversations about this to whatever extent. So it's, it's like, you know, he's not exactly letting it die in the strictest sense of things. But again, like, I don't particularly care about that event. Like, this isn't, you know, piling on him specifically. It's just an interesting place to start from when we're kind of trying to have a discussion that might actually be relevant to the world of gaming yeah so from talking about this i kind of feel like there are different ways in which developers can get into a position where they do something and contextually they get fucked over it you know there's there's a lot of different instances where context matters where context is important and there's different ways where you can potentially like have that fail and i kind of wanted to talk about like ways that we've seen that are that are likely going to be ways in which developers can you know screw that metaphorical pooch, and 
like examples that we've seen so far and where we're likely to see that happen again to an extent. So the first idea here is the idea of immediate contextual disconnect. And that's a thing we've seen pretty regularly for the past few years as game narratives have gotten more and more involved and developers and writers are trying to come up with more involved concepts. Uh, this is the idea where basically a game's author comes up with an idea where they want to say X thing. And they try to say X thing, but something is lost in translation, something is lost in interpretation, and instead of saying X specific thing, they instead say something completely different. At a best case, just a bad thing, but in a worst case, quite possibly the exact opposite of the thing they were trying to say. The, the quintessential example of this in recent times is probably Far Cry 3, where the author was trying to basically say with the game, you know, white imperialism is shit, but ended up indirectly saying, you know, hey, white imperialism is fucking great and awesome and we love it. Yeah. yeah. Or at least that's the interpretation a lot of people took away from it. They, they kind of justified white imperialism while trying to shit on white imperialism. Uh, the Division is another example of just a narrative not going in the direction the developers intended in general, where they writers over at Ubisoft, and oddly enough, both of these games are having a problem, or Ubisoft games, attempted to just kind of tell a, a Tom Clancy sort of story, and a lot of people sort of took it as kind of a bad police state sort of narrative in a lot of respects. Like, you know, where where society falls apart and government steps in and like also kind of like shitting on you know minorities to a certain extent which i didn't a hundred percent get that impression from the division but i can kind of sort of see where people were coming from and i feel like this is the one that we're probably going to see the most often because people are going to have an idea for a story that they want to tell they're going to have an idea for a narrative that they want to create and they're going to end up in the awkward position where they kind of end up saying something completely different, if not just something that they didn't intend, quite possibly the opposite of what they intend. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, they, um, and if anything, they'll, uh, uh, I think it happens a lot with games now, too. And especially, I, I know some people call it the discussion or whatever now. Uh, uh, when it comes to all this different stuff, but I know you, you haven't played Horizon yet, but Horizon has been one of those games talked about recently where even with all the things that go on in the game, um, they have people that are called Braves in their tribes, right? Right. Esen essentially a warrior class, right? And people are like, and somebody wrote something saying, hey, maybe. The way people talk about primitives and savages and braves in this game isn't that uh, like maybe they they should consider some of the people that they're talking about, right? Right. There's definitely there's definitely the the possibility there of being offensive or of cultural appropriation because again, like these characters are white. Yeah, yeah, the, the they're white and and uh, some of the terms that both reviewers in the game and people in the game use are. In terms that are regularly associated with Native Americans, and so there's cultural appropriation going on. But like, some people, like, hey, maybe consider how that might be offensive to some, and 
some people are like acting like, oh God, how dare you tell a creator how to do his shit? When reality, it's one of those things where the creators thought contextually it made sense. They were borrowing from lots of different cultures. They didn't see what the problem was, but they were also not part of it. And somebody who played it interpreted it in a different way is all, you know? It's just a misunderstanding of context between different people, but which isn't to say that either side is necessarily wrong. Uh, like the Far Cry one, the guy was like, oh man, I'm going to make a great message about white imperialism. And in this game, they were like, we're going to do all this. And somebody was just interpreted it a different way. Which I think is the problem, which it, it is one of those things too, where it's like contextually, I completely get where, like, in that situation where the creators are going for, they were trying to find a term for warrior hunter scouts, right? Without making it a fucking warrior hunter scouts. <laughs> and they were like, what is the closest thing that we can find to this? Oh, Braves. Okay, cool. We'll just use that. That's a good term. And somebody else was like, well, with my background with it, I do not care for that. And they weren't being even disrespectful about that. I kind of like, and honestly, in many ways, I really love the fact that that discussion even can exist in games nowadays. I know a lot of people are like, oh, offense culture and whatever the fuck, right? But I'm kind of glad that we can have a discussion about um, cultural language being used in video games without somebody just being like, it's just a fucking game. I mean, there's always going to be that person who says it's just a fucking game, but... Yeah, like the the idea that we we have matured enough that we can have that conversation and that th those of us who are sitting at the big kids table are capable of having that conversation with a degree of nuance of, you know, is this bad? Is this offensive? Should we be concerned about this, etc. is definitely important because like those conversations are going to keep happening. Like I mean, not all of them are going to necessarily be entertaining conversations some of them are just going to be outright awful and they're going to be over nothing again i mean we we had basically this conversation about you know tracer's butt like last <laughs> year yeah but it's it's that's an important conversation you know you have a person or people who are saying you know this pose is completely reasonable but not in this context and the developers of Blizzard said, you know what, you're right, we're fine with this. This is, you know, something that can be better. Let's be better. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that. I feel like, you know, we're getting to a point where we're starting to kind of understand that there is context in conversations in general where, like, you know, representations of things are good, but there are ways in which they can be bad. Like, again, we, we just recently had Assassin's Creed, you know, do something um, with slavery as a concept that actually worked out okay in a lot of respects. But they did it in some cases much better than others. The Liberation game that they released did a much better job of talking about racism, slavery, and things of that nature than the Black Flag DLC did. So it's, it's, there's conversations to be had that can, you know, kind of inform, well, this is a good way of talking about stuff. This is maybe not so good of a way of talking about stuff. And, you know, it helps us understand what is, what is reasonable, what is okay with, you know, talking about race, talking about sexuality, stuff like that. And I feel like that's important because, you know, there are going to be lots of us who, you know, want to have these discussions seriously or not so. Like, some of us are going to want to have serious conversations about race and sexuality. 
some of us would just like to be able to see naked boobs. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like, you know, setting those kind of boundaries conversationally is important because it means that we can, you know, we can figure out a way to do something where everyone is happy. Yeah, and, and I completely understand it even, and I think there's almost two separate things, like contextually within the game and contextually within the world that exists outside of the game, because no game exists inside of a vacuum. It's being marketed to people who are playing it, it, it it's part of the world, but I, I, I agree with what you're saying too, and one of the things that I like is that game developers are trying to even approach these subjects where they it may have never done so before and for people who are like oh no you can't criticize this maybe they'll never do anything like that again and i'm like no fuck off because frankly these are these are hard subjects these aren't easy subjects and i'm glad video games are tackling them but when they step on their dick we should be able to be like yo man you you're you've got your heel on your foreskin right now you you really need to step off and then like figure out why you're stepping on your dick so hard yeah, no, I agree 100%. And it's there are a lot of great conversations that we could be having, and I think it's good that we're at the point where we can have these conversations because, you know, like lots of stuff ends up accidentally offending or accidentally hurting people's feelings or whatever, and we should be able to acknowledge that, you know, this is an accident, we didn't mean for it to happen. Let's have a discussion about why this happens so it doesn't happen again. Because, yeah. I mean, it's 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 worth pointing out that, you know, we should be able to have these sorts of conversations without it, you know, without it necessarily being controversial so that we can, we can get to a point where like, we understand that like something probably didn't happen the way that it was supposed to. And we can say, okay, you know what? That was an accident, but it happens. Let's not do that again, but we can still allow for people to fix things that happened that we don't care for. Yeah, and one thing I think that it's important too is that I kind of feel like video games are one of those things where we, as a as a medium, it should have been more mature at this point. Film has gone was more mature at this point in its life cycle than video games. Everything was more mature, and too many people treat it like it's just a toy and stuff like that. When instead of a different powerful delivery mechanism, so I think it has that difficulty level going for it for anybody who's trying to do so but also because especially for any game that actually has a budget if you're a writer for a video game that has a budget how do you tell a good story about slavery or the holocaust or just uh, just trying to empathize with different people in different conditions when you also have to make sure that all the boxes on the back, uh, back of the box are checked you know what i mean like I, it's like, oh man, I really want to make somebody understand this point of view, but I also need to make sure that they climb this tower to reveal this section of the map. No, I agree. And it's like, uh, a lot of it kind of comes down to using things where we could be having a conversation as set dressing for narratives that are easy to tell. Like, we could be having, you know, more involved conversations about World War II, like what caused that to happen in the first place why did that happen at all like how, what can we do to ensure it never happens again and instead it you know we were shooting dudes yeah like even in the most well-written games in that particular environment like say a wolfenstein for example you know we're not necessarily having a conversation about you know anything meaningful we're just telling a story about a dude who kills nazis they're just future nazis now 
<laughs> and, and there was um, that Spec Ups the Line game, and it was the closest game that I can think of uh, being a game about shooting dudes, which also, at the end of the game, made you question why the fuck you were shooting dudes the whole time, right? Right. And that game was now years ago, and there's still nothing that try has tried to make people who are shooting dudes evaluate why they're shooting dudes in games. And I, I kind of feel like we, that should have been the starting point of a broader discussion within the medium, and not not even as a discussion as of like one person talking to each other, but as the game talking to the player and the player talking to the game. You know? No, I agree. And I feel like there are independent developers that are doing that, but I feel like from a financial perspective, there is the very strong possibility that if you try to have this conversation, there is, you know, a fear that you might make something that isn't for everyone, and you'll sort of end up in the awkward position where, you know, you have to apologize for something you absolutely 110% did not intend to fucking do. Like, again, you know, Far Cry 3 tried to be kind of a a conversation, you know, crapping on white imperialism, and a lot of people kind of took it as, took it straight. And again, The Division probably was not intending to be anything more deep than a, a multiplayer shooter, and ended up kind of sort of becoming like a story that justifies fascism to a certain extent, which I definitely don't think Ubisoft was going for there. So it's, you know, I can understand from the perspective of somebody who's trying to make a game that sells 5 million copies you don't necessarily want that game to be especially controversial. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, how do we uh, make games that further the medium, further the genres and storytelling, but also manage to please the 5 million people who are going to buy it? <laughs> like... Yeah, and it's, I feel like this, above and beyond all others, is definitely going to be a thing we're going to see more and more commonly as time goes on, just because we're going to start seeing independent developers in particular start having more and more conversations because they're in the position to do so easily and effectively. Like, independent developers above and beyond all else are in a position where they can take those risks because, you know, if they fuck up, oh well, you know, but if they succeed, they might make a shitload of money. You know, we're, we're having these sorts of conversations about like having complex conversations, complicated conversations in games like Undertale or, you know, again, to a lesser extent, something like, say, a Pony Island or a That Dragon Cancer or whatever, where we're, we're having these complicated discussions and conversations that people don't necessarily want to have, but people are having them through games and it's, you know, it, it's getting them recognition, it's making them money because they can afford to take those risks. And I think as more and more small developers start having those conversations, we'll probably start seeing them more regularly in traditional AAA-type games. Yeah, although we'll probably never see anything like Spec Ops The Line in a Call of Duty title because as there's no way they're gonna, Activision is going to want anybody to question while playing Call of Duty why they're shooting the other guy. I mean, because <laughs> like, that kind of shoots themselves in the foot. Uh -huh. It'd be really cool, though. If they, honestly, it would be one of those things where I kind of feel like if a game like that managed to do that, yeah, it would also sell blockbusters because it would appeal to people who just want to shoot things and people who also want to get their mind blown, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely feel like 
something like a Call of Duty is not going to get to that point until the developers themselves get to a point where they are comfortable enough with the game to allow for it to happen. Because we're, we're kind of in a position right now where the developers are having to worry about the highest selling games. Even, even, you know, Rockstar isn't necessarily willing to have a whole lot of controversial conversations in their games. Like, they're willing to have, they're willing to write stories that are interesting and different, but not necessarily, you know, stories that ask, like, big questions that need to be asked, because there's, there's still multiple millions of games to sell. I think AAA developers will probably start having those conversations in games that don't necessarily need to move 5 million units. So you're probably not going to see that happen in Call of Duty, but you might see it happen in something from Activision. So, and and honestly, I kind of feel like that's one of those things where if I was like EA and trying to run up a fucking Medal of Honor game as the next Call of Duty thing, that's where I would want to actually try to do that shit too, because you can take the risk that Call of Duty isn't going to take to maybe get people talking about your game in a way that they're not talking about. So that might happen with some, uh, but it, it really depends on who the producers are and what risks they're willing to take with their games, and which is fine. It's like whether or not they take that risk is is up to them. Uh, because again, the whole point of this conversation too is the fact that even taking that risk and having that conversation also runs the risk of doing it wrong and people taking it out of context because it was done so awkwardly. And you don't want to be the game that, that they put on fucking the front page of the New York Times or whatever, being like, this game supports fascism, right? When you were like, yeah. you were like, no, no, no. I'm just trying to provide a different, trying to provide his perspective to make you really think about it. Not, uh, we, oh, fuck, we, we did create a game loop about it. Oh, no, right? <laughs> Right, I mean, like, there's going to be people who are always going to exploit, you know, what people try to do or whatever. Like, you know, Fox tried to exploit Mass Effect by saying it was basically like a porn simulator, for lack of a better way of explaining it. So, you know, that's that's always going to be a thing where somebody's going to shit on your game and say that it supports something. I just don't necessarily think you want a lot of people having that conversation. Like, if the crazies are having that conversation, that's one thing. But if everybody's saying that your game is fucking, you know like uh, a pay and about like bad ideas, then maybe, you know, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and to be fair, Call of Duty did have one, uh, did have the controversial opening where, uh, you know, the airport thing, uh, shit, no Russian. Yeah. That was, that was Call of Duty three. I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Modern Warfare three, modern warfare. No, was that was modern warfare two. I think modern warfare. The first one had, the nuclear death, Modern Warfare yeah. 2 had no Russian, and I want to say Modern Warfare 3 had, uh, they set off a bomb in a populated area. Mm-hmm. But like, no, no Russian, uh, like, got a lot of different feedback things. For me, personally, I thought it was really stupid, because I was like, yeah, it, I just shot the main bad guy, and, I, and it said you lost, and I was like, no, I didn't. I won. I didn't shoot a single innocent person. I kept the guy who, before he hold off his evil plan, I'm pretty sure I don't need to play the rest of this game, right? Like, No Russian was just, it was another thing that contextually within the story of the game made sense, but was also awkward as fuck, and contextually in the, in the terms of logic existing anywhere outside of the story of the game made no sense. 
because you're like, okay, you don't shoot anybody. Man, you're super obvious that you're this. You do shoot people. Well, you're not really much better, you undercover agent. Even if you let them do it, that's pretty fucked up, right? Yeah. There, there's no way that that shit, made, that shit was good, <laughs> you know? And uh, sure, they made, contextually within the game, they tried to make sense for it, but it made no more sense than Roman Reigns winning any match. Um, I mean, contextually, it makes sense that Roman Reigns win matches. We just don't like him. No. <laughs> Dude, he's like the handsomest, strongest guy they have. It makes sense that he wins all the matches. We just don't like him. Mm. Mm. But anyway, uh, so he had the accolade put on him with a chain, and he still was like, "Nah," shrugged that shit out. Fuck that dude. Uh-huh. I mean, that's fair. I'm just saying. The booking blows. But anyway, so the in in that case, you know, you're you're in that sort of a position. I feel like the Call of Duty examples probably fall into something a little bit different that will be coming up to a little later, but it's worth noting that they exist and coming back to them. Mm. The The second type of this sort of event that, that I think is sort of worth talking about is where something happens and the, the context is important at the time, but, like, the context is fine at the time, but then something changes later on down the line, and suddenly it stops being so good, shall we say. For example, when Command & Conquer Red Alert 2 came out, everything was fine, everybody was okay with that, until September 11th happened, and then suddenly people were making the note of, hey, the cover of this game kind of has a plane flying at the World Trade Center. Maybe we should exchange that out. And, you know, like, the, the, the game itself isn't changed or patched in any way. Like, whatever events occur in the game and, like, whatever instances where the World Trade Center is shown still exist within it. But th- there was definitely that want to change that aesthetic around because, well, that that's kind of bad. There's, there's also the case of, for basically you and me, because I think we're the only people who probably played this game, Leisure Suit Larry box office bust, where... <laughs> That that wonderful fucking piece of shit uh, had a joke in it where in order to drive away a, a Freddy Krueger monster, you had to set your ser- hair on fire a la Michael Jackson while wearing a Thriller costume, which, you know, in and of itself was just a bad dated joke. But then, you know, like about a year or so after the game came out, Michael Jackson died. So on top of everything else, the game, the, the joke became like hyper fucking tasteless. Yeah. And it's, I, I feel like games that work off of the idea of popular culture are going to have that sort of thing happen. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, like the sort of things that happen with Command and Conquer where, you know, they had to change it due to real world events with September 11th are likely going to be a thing that we're going to see happening in a lot of games, or at least God, I hope not, because, you know, that's, that's definitely an instance where, the, the the world will hopefully not change to that extent multiple times within our lifetime. But that's always a possibility to a certain extent. More likely, however, is that pop culture jokes are going to change in their validity or become less funny or less reasonable. And I mean, to be fair, that sort of thing happens all the time. Like, you know, pop culture jokes are made and then the pop culture joke stops being funny. Just in general. 
anybody who's played a working designs RPG knows exactly what I'm talking about. And and I mean, we now live in an age where we can look back at old games with the knowledge of what we have now and maybe be like, oh, that's kind of gross a little bit, right? Like, yeah, that's that's definitely a thing that we're starting to see now more and more often. Like, gay characters in video games just in general are usually fucking awful. The, the, the gay character in Enchanted Arms is a horrible fucking stereotype. And even at the time, it wasn't super great. But now it's just like, ah, nah, that's not good. Yeah, there's... And I mean, I get this mostly in, more in movies where I'm like, oh, I remember loving that movie. Then I watch it, and I'm like, oh, man, that's just, uh, uh. Like, I I still love Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is still one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but Peter Venkman's kind of a little rapey. He, he, for real, right? He he literally stalks her. Uh, like, he stalks Dana a bit. I mean, other than the fact that he kind of fucks his student, he manipulates his female students into fucking them, he manipulates them to think that they have psychic powers and then fucks them. Or tries to fuck them. He, like, he... He kind of stalkery on Dana, like when he showed up outside of her work and stuff like that. I was like, oh, you know, that's actually just kind of gross. It's, yeah, it's just kind of gross. I mean, I still fucking love this movie, but as an adult, I'm more like, oh, yeah. um, Peter, you throwing that rapey vibe out, and <laughs> like, yeah, and it's it's you know, context is is important, but. I, I do feel like as time goes on, we're going to start kind of running into those situations where we acknowledge that, you know, well, maybe this wasn't the best thought out idea. Like, you know, with the benefit of time, we can kind of say, well, the, the poison character in, in Final Fight is the, the first trans character in video gaming, or possibly the second, dependent upon, you know, how you feel about Birdo. But... <laughs> Like, maybe maybe we probably shouldn't have made that character trans specifically because we didn't want the, char- the, the characters beating up women. Like, that feels weird and uncomfortable as a conversation to have in gaming. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just one of those things, and it just seems so weird that there's, like, this weird resistance to even having some of these discussions. But, but again, it, it's one of those things with maturity. It's... The fat part of maturity is looking back at when you were younger and being like, oh, dude, I made mistakes, right? Like, whether or not you, whether or not that's as a medium or as a person, you're just like, oh, well, could have been, could have been less rapey. I mean, not me. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like the ability to look back and say, you know what, maybe that wasn't the best time of my life is important, not just for individuals, but for corporate entities as well. And I, I feel like the sooner we can acknowledge that, you know, uh, m- maybe Final Fight did make some bad decisions, the sooner we'll be able to be happy and, you know, move on as a people. Yeah, and I mean, even just personally, like going back and reading a fishing review, let's say, for example, where you're like, man, I made a, I made a little too many autism jokes here. Like, I mean, I still laughed at them, but still, I, I want to do that no more. Yeah, it's, it's, that's important, you know, we got to be able to learn from stuff, like, th- there were periods, you know, when I was, you know, in my teens, and in my 20s, where I probably would have described stuff as gay or retarded, and, like, that was, you know, s- stuff that kind of happened in the 90s, 
I don't look back on that in any way, shape, or form fondly, and I acknowledge that, you know, that was bad and that was wrong and I should not have fucking done that. But it's, it's important to acknowledge this is stuff that you did, this is stuff that happened, let's not do that again. And yeah. we, we need to be able to have those kinds of conversations. So from that perspective, like, these kinds of games are good because they allow us to have those conversations. You know, pretending that they didn't exist isn't, like, helpful. And pretending that they did nothing wrong because, oh, it was a different time, also not super helpful. Like, it's important to acknowledge that maybe it was a different time and maybe we should, you know, consider that. But, like, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> but, yeah, look, you know, that's the, that's where the context thing comes from. It's like, I, I can admit that I did uh, shit that was stupid when I was younger that I wouldn't fucking do now and I realized was stupid back then or that I should have known better back then but it doesn't mean that that excuses that behavior from that time period it just means that that and contextually I get why I did it I also get that I was being fucking stupid you know yeah, no absolutely and so it, it, it's important to be able to say both of those things at once uh, it's in that if for people to be like yeah you know uh, maybe games shouldn't have done it this way. Hey, yes, it may have been a product of his times. Man, those times also were kind of fucking dumb. Right, you know, we should we should be able to stand up as a people and say, you know what? Times have changed. Rent was helpful at the time that it came out, but it's a piece of shit and <laughs> we don't need it anymore. The Max was helpful when it came out, but it's a piece of shit and we don't need it anymore. And, you know, like, et cetera, so on. We, we should be able to say that sort of things about video games. We should be able to say, you know what, Final Fight was great when it came out, but, like, maybe we don't want to necessarily do this again. Maybe some of the jokes and stuff like, about gay characters. Like, well, because gay characters in video games are treated like gay characters are currently treated in luchador wrestling. You know, and they're, well, I don't know. That's a whole different culture and weird weirdness to it. There's a weird respect to it that I anyway. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I want to get into evaluating other cultures. Like going back to accidental yeah. stuff where you try to do something and you, you didn't intend to do that in the least. Like going back and having the conversation about like Resident Evil Five was racist is like ah uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think that's what they were going for at all. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and it's like, don't worry, man. They're going to come out with Resident Evil 6 and they'll have a whole new set of problems to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Fuck Resident Evil 6. <laughs> so, the, the, third, the third type of game in this discussion, unlike the first two, I, I think is going to be the least common, but the most obvious to spot. And it's, it's going to come from shall we say, the biggest shitmongers out of the lot. These are games where they attempt to essentially exploit people's, you know, negative feelings about a thing, or they attempt to exploit controversy for sales, controversy for marketing, controversy for eyes on their product, attention, whatever. That's not necessarily a thing we're going to see out of AAA developers, but it's almost certainly going to be a thing that you see out of independent developers who are looking to make a name for themselves, who are looking to get themselves out there into the world? Uh, you could also just be like, ones that aren't good enough to be able to make it on their own talent, The so the choices are either exploitative 
or ripping off something. Like, oh, I don't know about that. No, really? No. Like, it, it might be that you're unconfident about your ability or that you, you want to get the extra eyes on it, but you might very well be confident in your talent. Like, look at Honey Pop as an example. I feel like Honey Pop as a product very much attempts to exploit both the idea of sexuality and nudity in gaming, as well as, you know, to a certain extent, anti-feminist type mentalities with the way that it chooses to present the game and its stuff. The, the game is very much presented as, you know, ha-ha, women are dumb. Fuck all of them. And it, it, it very much wants to tell jokes and be a thing that is, you know, very much that. But damn if it isn't a good game, and damn if people didn't love it, despite what it is aesthetically and narratively. I mean, I love that game, but I, I think it's, you know, its writing is kind of dumb. And there are a lot of other people who, you know, actively love that game, despite the fact that it wouldn't necessarily be a thing you would think that you would love. Sure, people who are bad developers are going to cash in on that sort of shit. Hatred was a game that decidedly tried to cash in on the idea of mass shootings as a, a medium for getting it across whatever it was it was trying to get across. It was clearly attempting to cash in on the controversy aspects of shooting a bunch of innocent people and also cops. And it was just not a very good game. In that respect, sure, absolutely, that developer was just trying to make a buck off of people's offense. Yeah. 8.46, the, the VR title about navigating the World Trade Center during 9-11 also kind of seems like it's decidedly trying to cash in on tragedy and doesn't look like it's an especially good or interesting piece of work. So, again, from that perspective, I can... Definitely, I can definitely say, yes, this is something some people who probably don't have a lot of skills are going to try and exploit. But I don't think that's going to be the case every time, you know. Like, some people are just going to do it as a way to hedge their bets. As a way to say, well, you know, like, we, we have the ability to do something worthwhile. We're going to try to do something, you know, good here. But, just to be on the safe side, let's also make this thing that's, like, kind of a little offensive, maybe. Yeah. And sometimes it, it there's a weird blend of talent versus potential offense. Like, I know of at least one or two in people uh, who really enjoy Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. And, uh, and see, I don't think that game... Like, that game is definitely trying to exploit, you know, titties. But... Beyond that, like, I'm not really, it's just trying to exploit sexuality as, like, a concept, but lots of games do that shit, you know? Senron Kagura does that. It is, but yet my friend Ben fucking just loves playing the goddamn minigames. Although, he wasn't a big fan of the imported version that he got, so. But the other ones he liked. Uh, but, it's like, uh, yeah, second, so uh, uh, that game or there's a couple of them that exploit sexuality very, 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 very much so, just in order to try and sell a few more additional copies but sometimes it, they're not even bad games like you and i are a fan of the rumble roses games and those are fucking good games uh it's like uh, you know it's like yeah sorry but those are good wrestling games sure they, do they exploit sexuality fucking hey they do um uh, but at least they also at least it's not one of those things where exploiting 
a specific thing is all it does, you know? <laughs> right, and it's, you know, I don't necessarily feel like exploiting societal taboos is the worst thing in and of itself, True. right? Because, again, like, I don't I don't feel like having a game where there's sexuality or nudity that, that might be a little beyond the pale is bad because it helps us push the envelope. You know, again, I'm somebody who's looking forward to Mass Effect Andromeda because they, they've basically said, yeah, this is going to be soft porn. There's going to be, like, naked like naked fucking boobs and butts and whatever else and it's like that's not the reason i'm playing it but you know fucking a good on you for giving it the old college try you know yeah like uh that that is one thing apparently during the previews for the games that people said choice comes into everything including the sex scenes and i'm like cool you get to grab a chick and flip her over and do her in sorry style like i just don't know uh and honestly technically when it comes to sexuality it is one of those arguments where like a certain majority of our video games, a pretty large majority of our video games, feature violence. Yet you throw one boob in, it's just like the whole discussion with movies. You throw one tit in there, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, think of the children. And it's, right, no, I agree. And, and so, like, frankly, we're kind of a hypocritical society when it comes to that. So I, I'm not even that that whatever with that. I, it only bothers me when that's the only thing that the game has going for it. I'm like, uh, that's kind of gross. I'm like, eh, I could just, I could just watch porn and save myself some money. And it's kind of weird too because it, there, it, contextually too, when it comes to like the tragedies, like I'm a one of those too soon sort of people where when there's a tragedy and somebody makes it, my first, my brain deals with terrible things by going to something funny. Which, understandably, not everybody's brain does, and I don't even know why my brain does it in particular. But, like, five minutes after a tragedy, if a comedian makes a joke about it, I'm like, okay, that's funny. As long as it's a good joke. I'm like, okay, I'm cool with that. But very rarely is a video game ever made from a tragedy where it presents it in an insightful or interesting way or an amusing way where it tries to help people deal with the emotional fallout from the tragedy itself it's usually just like eh we making money no i agree and here's the thing like i don't i don't think there's something inherently wrong with the idea of again shitting on societal taboos it's there just needs to be a reason for it there there needs to be a purpose you know i feel like the the nuclear death sequence in Call of Duty Modern Warfare had purpose and rationale and reason for it. I I feel that the the franchise has had less and less of a justification for doing that stuff beyond controversy as time has gone on, but I feel like there are instances where there's a point and a purpose to that. I feel like anything that's trying to push the envelope while also providing an experience that is worth playing is definitely worth taking a second look at and worth commending, even if you're not 100% thrilled with the way it's choosing to do it. But I definitely feel like there are going to be people out there who are also just going to try to make their thing something that shits on offense culture, and then if you don't like something that it does, they're just going to hide behind the defense of LOL, you mad bro. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's... I feel like it is worth distinguishing that, you know, some games are exploiting societal disagreements, and that's fine, because they they have a point and they're trying to do something, whereas others are just 
doing something for the sake of getting people's eyes on their product, and it's, you know, no, I'm not mad, I just think you're a fucking charlatan. Yeah. No, and and I'm with you there. And I think that is where we kind of come back to full circle a little bit with where we started the topic, where somebody was like, like, lol, I I got somebody to say that the all Jews lol. It was just a joke, right? Uh, it comes down to the the idea that somebody making something for the lol, uh, which exploits, which it which exploits either an entire people or a tragedy or encourages violence for the lols is not really a great. It is not a. It's not clever. It's not. It has no purpose. Is that it? It's not the the for the lols just kind of makes you seem like an asshole at that point. You're just kind of being, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, like, it's the difference between when a comedian makes a joke about a tragedy versus a comedian trying to exploit a tragedy. It's stupid. Um, And yeah, uh, just to kind of bring that back around again in context that if you're exploiting like the death of all Jews for something and the only, the best thing that you have for it is, well, I was doing it for the laughter. You're not being clever. You're just you're just an asshole, and that that's where the hardest point of dealing with tragedies and everything are is that the failure mode of clever is asshole. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's very much the difference between you're telling a a a joke that's meant to be counterculture and shine a spotlight on something versus I'm telling a joke that exploits people for a reaction, and like it's it's very much the difference between trying to tell a joke that that tests societal conventions, societal norms, and telling a joke that that exploits societal conventions. Punching up versus punching down, yeah. more or less. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and it's one of those things where, like, if you're like, well, I'm not sure if I'm punching up or punching down, or I'm not sure if, or if this joke is really doing that, then fucking stop. Think about it for a second. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like if there's a point where you're writing a joke and you're going... It's funny because the Holocaust happened. <laughs> Just in general, maybe don't. Exactly, right? <laughs> like, and you and I will have made jokes about the Holocaust. It's not, but the jokes haven't been about the Holocaust. You know what I mean? Like, uh, right. uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's one of those those things again, where uh, at some point you're you're writing it, and you're like, yeah. So if you're like, if you're in doubt, just leave it to the professionals. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, even if you want to do a joke, like, it, it's it's fine to be funny. It's fine to tell jokes. Maybe just don't tell that one. Yeah. And if people get mad about that, you know, maybe acknowledge that people are talking about it and people are mad about it because it's not a great situation and people in general don't like it when we we kind of have to remind you don't make jokes about this or if you're going to do it fucking better than you're doing it right now yeah figure out exactly who your punchline is if it's the victims uh then maybe reconsider your punchline yeah and i mean like it's at the end of the day it's that's what it comes down to is you can make jokes about anything so long as you have an interesting joke to say we remember South Park Order of the Stick because it had a lot of interesting jokes to tell. That had jokes about the Holocaust, sort of, in that you were fighting Khloe Kardashian's aborted Nazi zombie fetus at one point. Yep. 
So, you know, there were definitely Nazi zombies, Nazi zombie fetuses that you were murdering. That was the thing that happened. And, you know, Cartman makes jokes about Kyle being Jewish, pretty on the reg. And, like, we're, we're not super mad at Trey Parker and Matt Stone for that, because they're doing it in a way that, that kind of works and makes sense in context. But we don't talk about Leisure Suit Larry box office bust, except derisively, because the humor in that game is bad. It's badly written, it's badly crafted, it's badly assembled, and it's badly executed. It's not a matter of there aren't things that you can joke about. Like, let's be clear, there are going to be people in the world who are going to say you can't make jokes about the Holocaust, or rape, or whatever. And you know what? There are going to be some people who are going to be offended about those topics, no matter what you say and do. That happens. But if you craft a joke that is good enough and is not punching down, you can probably get away with it. Oh, yeah. I, I was having this very discussion online and an argument with somebody, and I, I had this to say about it, and this is probably a really bad time to go with this. Uh, uh, but I was saying, you just really, sometimes you also really have to really know your audience. Like, I, I've got some, like, I, like, some people say you can't joke about dead babies, but I thought of some really great dead baby jokes, just dead baby jokes that would kill, right? Uh, and so I went to an open mic night, and then when I got up to the mic, I noticed that there were three pregnant women right in the front row, and the first thing that went through my head was, oh, crap, abort, abort, abort. Wow. Right? <laughs> like, that's a linguistic joke? It, <laughs> that That has... That that it's not a good one. I'm not saying that, but like, <laughs> but that has, at least it has fucking layers to it. Uh, but yeah, but it is about knowing your audience. It's about uh, and also you have to think about what the point of the joke is. All of that, like, like you said, it's like the leisure suit. Larry's was just like that chick is fake. You could tell because she's got fake tits, ah! right? <laughs> a bit. Yeah, that was a that like they that did not that was really bad. They they did not try very hard for any kind of good humor in that one. Or they did try hard and it still failed. But but yeah, and, and people will say you can't make fun of certain subjects. And I think Anthony Jesenik was the one where he was talking about rape, where he was like, some people say you can't joke about rape, and I'm like, no, you can't. I'm great at it, and he is. Uh, so like. Leave it to the professionals. <laughs> no, absolutely. And it's in the light of that, the, the idea of offense culture and things of that nature. I, I do actually want to close out this podcast, I think, with a joke that I've told to others. It's a real thing that happened, but it was funny in context. Uh, for those who do not know me personally, uh, one of the events that I've been dealing with in the three months or so hiatus that has been going on with the podcast is uh, the the unexpected and unfortunate death of my mother um just completely out of nowhere and it was it was a bit of a shock and it was definitely not something any of us were prepared for or ready to deal with particularly well during the process of dealing with the situations that come from such an event uh inclusive of attempting to clean up a person's effects afterward we were going through a storage unit that she had in her apartment and we discovered three fluorescent light bulbs with a strange bottom to them that didn't seem to go to any other lights that we owned. A friend of mine also discovered an outdoor lantern in the storage unit and came to the conclusion these light bulbs must go to this lantern. 
and he took them with him. After the fact, he contacted me and he said, no, these light bulbs do not go with this lantern. I don't know what they go with. And at that moment, I said, well, there's really only one thing to do. Do you know if Walmart sells Ouija boards? <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> so he responded, your mother was never somebody to talk to you about important shit when she was alive. Why would she talk to you now? I said, what is she going to do? Talk to my grandparents? They're dicks. So he attempted to come up with a professional wrestler that she could talk to since she was always a fan of professional wrestling in the great beyond. And the answer that he came up with was Chris Benoit. So I had to ask him, why do you think my mother's in hell? Right. Yep. Yep. He could not respond for 25 minutes. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's important to note, you know, if that joke in any way offended you, I lived it. So, you know, maybe fuck you but like further to the point it's it's we as a culture as a society kind of deal with stuff in our own way and it's you know that's something that i probably wouldn't have been able to deal with at the time that the event happened but it's also something that for me personally like help is helping me to deal with everything that has gone on in this situation because Let's be clear, this is still a miserable situation. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes that that sort of joke, that sort of haha, whatever, is important for getting over the stuff that you're dealing with. Maybe not for everybody, but it's, it's all a matter of how you craft that particular joke and what you're doing with it. Yeah, my mom was abusive, and I make jokes about that shit all the time because it's fucking hilarious to me. So, like, and oh, yeah, I'll and it's. You know, it's it, it's maybe not something that it's maybe not something that like everybody should be doing, but it's definitely something that's going to help you get through that shit. And you know, you were the one who was being abused, so yeah. And when somebody asks, and I'm sure you had that situation too now recently, where it's just like when somebody has that look of sheer utter horror, I'm like, what are you offended by? <laughs> like, I had to live with her. Um, or in, you know, in your situation, if your friend had nothing to respond for 25 minutes, you're like, Hey, you can't be mad. My goddamn mother. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't tell that jokes, those jokes about somebody else's mother, unless that was something that they were comfortable with. And I'm sure there's going to be many instances where somebody, you know, makes like, you know, a your mama joke and like that, like then has to stop and be like, Oh no, what did I do before I have to explain to them? No, it's fine. But like, that's the thing is, you know, context is important. If somebody walks up to you and is just like, you know, fuck you, your mother's an asshole, you know, you're probably not going to think that's very funny necessarily. But it, 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 it's all a matter of what you do with it. Yeah, and and, and I kind of think that's a great way to, to put the, a great analogy between, like, what a developer might be meaning for a player versus how that game might be interpreted versus the world. It would be you telling me that joke in public and how I reacted to it versus anybody else, right? Guess what? The thing you've sent out into the world is going to be judged by other people. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's you know, there are definitely ways around that. Maybe seek alter, alternate points of view. Maybe seek out other people and, you know, figure out, is this going to be a thing I'm going to have to deal with? Is it worth writing this thing if I have to deal with this, 
you know, sometimes the answer to that question is this will be a problem, and it's not worth doing it. But many times the answer will be, maybe it is worth doing it. Why don't you give it a shot? And, and I think one of the things that gets me the most about some people who are game fans is just the idea that uh, it seems to think that this is some sort of exclusive thing to video games, and not something a creator of everything for everything has to do. Right? Whether you're the fucking writer for the Marvel movies, or you're writing TV shows, or you're putting out a comic, or you're creating a fucking blog on the internet. Like, guess what? <laughs> Public perception of the shit you're going to put out there is absolutely everything that every creator has to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you can't deal with the feedback of the public perception that it might not uh, that it might not be received the way you intended, then you are not fucking a good creator. <laughs> you are. Uh, yeah. If you don't take risks, you, you're not creating, you're just replicating. <laughs> I mean, imagine how many things might not exist if we had not done this you know we we might have missed like stuff like you know the the dark knight returns you know and i mean even though it, it has its issues now like imagine if we lived in a world where there was no killing joke you know there was no watchman oh i thought you meant the dark knight returns movie. no the book oh, okay. the, the the comic oh that's true yeah well yeah i mean alan moore alan moore gives no fucks uh like he and that's that's part of what is awesome about his work is that he has no fucks to give about whether or not you enjoy the shit he's putting together. Sure. But by the same token, he's also sat down and said in recent years, you know what, the killing joke is a mean, brutal, awful story and, and you know, in retrospect, I I it's a gr it's a great piece of work, but maybe it, it wasn't, you know, what we needed. Yep. And you know what, that's that's important. That is important as a creator to be able to say, not only I can accept the fact that people might not be happy with my work, but also, in retrospect, I am not happy with this piece of work. I feel like that's probably as good a place as I need to wrap up. Uh, I do want to say uh, thank you very much, Mr. Matt Yeager, for coming and joining me today in the first recording that I have done post-hiatus. Uh, I do appreciate it. Ah, uh, anytime, man. Of course. It's been a hiatus for me, too. But for, for those of you who have been patiently waiting for an entry, thank you very much and welcome back. Uh, for those who are coming in new or have been coming in for a while and just have not done so, uh, if you like what you heard here today, uh, you can like, subscribe, and comment. Uh, you can also follow us over on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash markbwriting. You can also check out the podcast over on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and basically anywhere where podcasts are hosted. If you want to follow along with us behind the scenes, you can follow me over on Twitter at MarkBWriting and over on Facebook at MarkBWritingHome. And Matt, where can they catch you at? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't been on social media in a little while. Um, which one on Twitter? Uh, but if you try to follow me, I've got that shit locked down. So, um... Inside Pulse, if I ever do another review. Yeah, I have a Yakuza review. Yakuza Zero review. You should fucking read it. It's a good-ass game. And where should they where should they find it at? Uh, DieHardGameFan.com Excellent. Alrighty. Join us next week when our topic will be Why You Should Kill All Swedish Professional YouTubers Named Felix. <laughs> On behalf of Matt Yeager, this is Mark B. saying 
Stay safe out there, junkers.